Hi, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Uh, not my normal podcast time, um, but nothing's normal anymore, so we might as well just go with that flow. It is, I think, Wednesday night, October 18th, 2023, the fourth day already of Cheshvan 5784. And I'm really honored to have um, on the line here Avigail Gimpel. Some of you may remember that I interviewed her years ago on her former life, like as she and I just spoke about 15 minutes ago, um, as a special educator, specialist in ADHD, uh, an author of a couple of books, Hyper Healing. She's also the mother of six, uh, two soldiers in right now, one of her sons, one of her sons-in-law. But what she has been doing right now and why we're having this conversation is um, Taharot, which, I don't even know if there's an English word for that. Avigail, help me out here. Tell us what you've been doing these past I, I, 10 days. Eve, thank you so much for having me on. I've been wanting to have this conversation with you because I really do have a fire burning in my stomach right now um, over what I've been doing and what I've been seeing. And I don't watch the news. I don't have to watch the news because the news has come to me, unfortunately. What you just said was taharot, which is uh, a Jewish ritual um, that that the burial society of every community does, which is prepare a uh, a body for burial for purity, and um, we have a very special way of doing that. And uh, we just had this mass casualty, horrific event, and we have thousands of bodies that need to be purified for burial. So they've had to call. I've been a member of the burial society in our area in Gush Etzion for many years. And uh, it's a real privilege. And in Judaism, it's considered one of the most uh, remarkable things a person can do because you're preparing someone for their burial. They can't say thank you even. They can't give anything back to you. So there's it's a all, term in it, Hebrew, chesed shelemet. It means you're doing something that you're never going to get thanked for. It's like the purest giving that you could possibly do. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So that's it. And uh, so the head of our burial society reached out to us, uh, a bunch of us that that are, you know, the, the team that he, they call upon when there's when there's a death in the area and said, we, we've got all these bodies. And uh, can you come? And now, it's, not bodies in Gush Etzion. This is, no, no. This is the central. So we were, exactly. We were mm-hmm. called to the main center in in uh, Rishon Lezion, which is in the center of the country right near Tel Aviv. And as anyone who's been following the news knows, the Jews were were brutally killed in, in different ways, where at, at the at the big giant festival, as well as in their homes, in their beds, in their gardens, and uh and were brutalized in the most awful ways. And um the the people were were all and and even the identification process has been taking a very, very long time because some of these bodies are no longer bodies. They are Auschwitz oven ashes. That's what we've been preparing for burial. And um, we were warned that it was going to be a gruesome experience. And we went. And I'll tell, I'll tell you, Eve, why I decided to go. Because my son was called to duty last Shabbat, right in the middle of mm-hmm. our a holiday of Simchat Torah right. while we had danced with the Torah and there was so much joy and and he was called and he's in an elite unit and he right now is stationed outside of Gaza and uh, and I said to myself if my boy 
is on the front lines, then then his mom is going to join him on the front lines. Very few people are able to or willing to do the kind of work that I've been doing right now every single day for the last week. But um, it's hopefully it's my prayer for our soldiers, for the protection of our soldiers, that that God just put a protective bubble around them and bring them home safe, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally and spiritually, and that we are able to defeat this incredibly horrific evil enemy that we're facing how are you also identifying soldiers or these are or these are uh, no, so the center, that I'm, the center that i'm working in is only civilians mm-hmm. so we have been mainly and and uh it's important to note also that uh the reason they need women and men is mm-hmm. because according to our tradition um uh, the, the most um respectful way to prepare a man a, a male for burials with a man and a woman the same way. So we have a lot of incredibly brave women that are gathered together. And 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 what we've been having is civilians, a lot of these beautiful young girls from young women from the, the festival, many, many of them cut down right at the beginning of life. And uh I I saw the gruesome sights, every single body. And, and I want to tell you even, and this is this is not something that's intuitive. I'd have no disgust, none at all. The smell of death in the in the room is so thick that I will never forget it and never be able to smell anything remotely like that that won't bring me directly back to this experience. But there's no disgust because every single one of these bodies housed the soul of the most holy and the most beautiful woman and little girl. And, and all I have is love for them and care for them. And I just want to escort them on their last journey with the highest level of respect I can. And I am so fortunate. I am so fortunate to be in the room with these women whose souls are right by God's throne. That's where they are right now. But, uh, I, I, I've had to see grandmothers killed with their own own the own curtains of, of their of their house, grandfathers with their with their hands tied behind their backs and shot to death. And and little girls, little girls with signs of, of, of rape on their bodies, mothers, children. It it's been it's been the most gruesome thing. We found we found every single one of them. And this is not being reported. Every single one of them, we're supposed to look for jewelry on their bodies so that we could return them to the families. There's no jewelry on anyone after they were raped and brutalized in in ways that cannot be described. Multiple wounds on their bodies, bleeding from everywhere. Then, after that, all of their jewelry was stolen. And nothing was left for them. I found one woman with, with her with her pocketbook as we New, York, New Yorkers call it still on her with her cell phone in there and her cigarettes and just just midway through having a nice time at a party oh god it's 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 wearing me out even to think about it right now with you so i am i'm trying to understand where you get the strength to do this the way you describe it like really holy work that at least the last 
at least the last person that touches them will be someone who touches them with love and caring. Yeah. I, that that's it. That's where I get it from. And, uh, and, you know, the part of the ritual of, of, of wrapping them in these pure white garments is you have to, to kind of turn them over on their side to make sure that they're clean and, um, and go to their grave, you know, cleansed properly. And you have to hug them. You have to hug them against your, your body. And I'm hugging them against my stomach, that same area where I, I, I carried my own children and, uh, and I'm hugging these little girls against my own body and, and I just love them. And, uh, and I, I just give a prayer for each and every one of them that, that God, God, they're in your hands. Now you take good care of them. Their families are destroyed. Their fa- each one, all I think of is they're, they're right there next to God and in God's embrace. But what about the ones left behind? We, 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 we prepared a full family, a full family Eve for burial yesterday. And twin girls embracing each other, burnt to death. We prepared their bodies for burial today. You know, it's clear that it's only your deep faith, which at this moment is, this cannot be faked. I mean, it is so much a part of you. This is probably the greatest test of faith, what you're going through right now. But couldn't it cause the opposite? Like, you don't sit there and think like, God, how could you let this happen to my people, to your people? You know, I I haven't I haven't thought that. Really? I haven't thought that. I I I think that God gives us free choice. And and the evil, evil enemy, the Hamas enemy, who's only evil. There's no innocence You're evil. there. Oh, it's period. Sure. No innocence. No innocence. No. Um, they made a choice. And and God doesn't interfere with our free choice. And we have to make a choice now. Mm-hmm. And we better make it with moral clarity. And I hear us cracking. I hear us not quite holding on to our morality right now and starting to buy the enemy's line. Well, not here in Israel, maybe outside of Israel. You see, feeling that in Israel, I'm feeling a tremendous wave of, you know, people want this. We know who the enemy is, and we do not want our children and grandchildren to have to deal with this. And and part of our mandate as God's people is to rid the world of evil. And now it's right in our face. It's been in our face for a very long time. We've never had the resolve. Maybe we have it now. I don't know. But Biden got here pretty darn quickly. Mm. And I'm guessing that was not in order to give Bibi a big pat on the back and say, no, you go, boy, so. you go yeah. get them. Good photo op for his political moves, maybe. And to rein us in. I hope I'm wrong. I my really hope I'm wrong. To rain. Get the Jews to accept that a few dead Jews every once in a while is OK. Yeah. We've always yeah. had pogroms. Deal with your pogroms. Speaking of programs, I do want to mention something that I learned. You know, our learning curve in the last two weeks has been insane. I've been ordering weapons and 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 uh, safety supplies for for soldiers for the last two weeks and getting them into the country. And and yeah, I've yes, 
the things we learn, like suddenly I know all about ceramic vests and what grade they need to be and, right. and what sort of helmets are, are necessary. You just said recently that you dropped off a, a vest for, yeah, for somebody. So today. I've been doing that also um, over the last many days. Um, but I wanted to mention something about the this uh, Tahara process that um, when a person dies of natural causes, then there's an entire ceremony that's done and an entire cleansing process that's done. But when a person dies, as we call it, Al-Kidush Hashem, to sanctify God's name. Because they were they, a Jew, basically. Exactly. Dying Period. because Don't they stop. were Jewish. Right. So they are already considered pure and holy. And uh, and the process is not required. So it's it's something very different. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry that you learned that. Me too. Me too. I, would have I hope I'll never have to use that again. You know, one of the things that kept going through my mind in the last week as a mother and as somebody who's doing everything I can now for my kids and my grandchildren and other people's children, because that's what we do, is that these monsters have mothers, I assume. I mean, I don't think that all these terrorists were like taken away from their homes when they were two and indoctrinated in some camp somewhere. I mean, maybe some of them were, but I assume most of them grew up in homes with mothers and um, their mothers taught them to be like this. Like I never had a conversation with my son about, you know, oh, sweetheart, when you're 19 and you're raping somebody, like don't hack off her breasts after you do that. Like it just... I'm beyond understanding. There's no innocent. I don't think there's any innocent people in Gaza right now. Um, where is there? There should be some kind of contract when you become a parent that you will raise that child to be the most decent person that they're supposed to be. And somebody, somebody, not just failed here big time, but like what, 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 what is happening there? Uh, you know, can can we not blame the mothers? Can we say, oh, it's the father's influence? But there has oh, no, to be I'm, no, I'm, no, right? I'll tell you, Eve. I am. I'm putting this all on the mothers, and the reason I am is because you and I are mothers, and you know, and I know the limitlessness of a mother's ability to influence her children, right. Right. and guide uh, and guide them, and yeah. they carry right they wrong. carry our with words with them always, and I these evil evil women of Hamas. Um, are the ones who raise these monsters, and and I don't want to call them animals because I feel like that. No, would be animals don't do this. That. Animals don't kill for pleasure. No, 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 they no. don't. They don't. No. And um, and you know what? We we have a, a concept in Judaism that it's uh, that because of the Jewish women, uh, the nation the nation of Israel has been redeemed, and in the future will be redeemed. And this week, I understood it. The Jewish women were mobilized to protect life, to defend life, to bury Jewish life, to to take care of all of our children. We are the ones who are responsible for the morality of our families. We are we are it. That's it. And and here's the thing. If my son went out and raped or murdered or hacked off the head of a little baby screaming for his mother, I failed because that was my education. If an entire nation goes out and celebrates, who's giving out the candies? Right. Who's the one with a glowing face saying, I'm so proud that my son became a Shaheed, a martyr? 
those mm. are the mothers. And those mothers, because we know how powerful mothers are, need to shoulder full responsibility for this because they can either be the most destructive forces or they could bring the redemption and they're choosing to be only destruction. You know, there's a couple of things that come to my mind. One is that um, some of the people in the world are saying that we need to give a proportional response. And of course, in the black humor way that many of us deal with things, that was going around is, oh, we're sorry, but we can't find any soldiers who are willing to do all the things that they did proportionately. No one in Israel is willing to do that, would ever even think of doing that. So sorry, it can't be proportional. And the other is, is something uh, about one of my own sons that I've probably spoken about on my podcast before. He's now, he's been called up. But when he was doing his army service uh, in Hebron, he came home one morning very, very upset. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, we had to go into an apartment, a few apartments overnight looking for a bomb. We got a we got an intelligence warning that something was going to blow up on a bus and we had to go find it. And we walked into these apartments and we upset everybody in the apartment. He said, and I don't blame them. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm coming in, you know, and I look scary and the kids are screaming and the grandmother's screaming. And he said, I understand why they hate us. And I feel terrible. I'm an uncle. He wasn't yet a father. Now he is. He said, and I, and I had two reactions at the time. One was fury at the people who put him in that position. Okay, at the terrorists who hide weapons in their grandmother's underpants drawer, knowing that someone's going to, either it's going to be used or someone's going to have to go and find it and save lives. And of course, risking their own civilian population's lives, which we were seeing over and over and over again. And then tremendous pride in him that he was able to be sensitive enough, even giving the job that he had to do, and he had to do his job and he knew it, that he was still sensitive enough to realize, you know, what was going on in the minds of the people around him. And um, and I'm not alone in that. I mean, I think that that's for the most part, how we have raised our children is life is precious and uh, you protect everybody that you can. But, and this is something I think that we're seeing now in Israeli society, when there is an evil this overwhelming that came after the most defenseless people in our society. These are not brave, heroic Hamas, you know, soldiers. They didn't come up against armed people. I mean, they did eventually, but that's not wasn't their plan. Their plan was just to massacre anybody they could, laugh while they were doing it, get extreme pleasure from doing it and torture people while they were doing it. And I really feel among Israeli society, and I hope it's trickling up to our leadership, that we can't allow this to fester. We just, we just can't. We just can't. I mean, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we're allowed to do what it is that needs to be done. And it's not just for us; it's for the world. I mean, you want these people in your neighborhood? Nobody wants them. You know, yeah. all these countries. Israel's saying, "Look, Hamas is occupying Gaza. Hamas is terrible for a civilian population as well. Let's assume they're not. Some of them are innocent in there. Let's just make that assumption. So take them." And, and and no one wants them because who would want them? Their right. own people don't want them. Isn't that telling? You know, your story about your your soldier's son, your hero, um, reminds me actually of a of a story my son told me. Um, he with his unit had very often had to go into villages, uh, very aggressive villages, and arrest people, um, terrorists mm -hmm. overnight, and they'd go in. And they're barging into someone's bedroom right. and they would be the husband and the wife in the bedroom. And they would often have to pick up a blanket 
and and hold it up so that they would not look at the wife that you know her pajamas dress or properly mm-hmm. uh, if her hair is not covered because they they you know they the women cover right. their hair and they would they would pick up a blanket and and put it over her or or right. have for her, her modesty for her modesty right. for her modesty they made sure and and these is this is not necessarily religious soldiers this is all the soldiers all of our boys were trained to protect and respect their women we cannot even fathom what these people did. We cannot fathom it. And and speaking of which, everyone keeps talking about Gaza as being this open air prison. I keep hearing that and it makes me nuts because not only have we allowed thousands upon thousands of Gazans to come and work in Israel every single day where they mapped out our communities right. so that they could let the terrorists know where to go and where there were good babies to kill. Yeah. And then they, but I want to understand why Egypt has sealed its border? Mm-hmm. Why is it on Israel? Egypt is supposedly their brothers. Why yeah. aren't they, you know, the Ukraine, the Ukrainian people, they've been welcomed in by all the, the surrounding nations. Mm-hmm. But yet somehow, so why, you know, Ukraine could be a big, a big open air prison and, and everyone could be trapped inside. But their neighbors chose to let them in. And also many of them are originally Egyptians. It's not like there's a thousand year history of Gaza. I mean, there is, but it's a Jewish history. These are these were people who fled the wars in 1948 that their own people started and ended up there. It's a whole motley crew of people from everywhere else anyhow. So, you know, they're already refugees. So settle them somewhere. But again, nobody wants them. And now everyone wants them even less because this is this is just... There are no words. There are absolutely no words. Let me ask you, of the women that went with you, has, was anybody unable to, because you can't prepare yourself for this, I would imagine. Like You can't prepare yourself for this. No. So were there, was there anyone who just said, I, I, I can't? So there were people who came the first time and then were unable to, to go back again. And they mm-hmm. are heroes. Uh, okay. That first night, they had been identifying bodies the entire Shabbat, which is which is permissible permissible mm-hmm. in Jewish law. And uh, so on Saturday night, it was we worked through the night. It was one after the next. It was absolutely brutal, and that was my first exposure. Uh, so women who came with me that night, some of them were like, "Okay, we did we did this mitzvah, where we got it done. Now I'm going to go and do something else that mm-hmm. that uh, the nation of Israel needs." Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were others that that myself, I got called back emergency Sunday. And once once I was there twice, it became part of my daily routine because I saw that they they just didn't have enough people. There were times yesterday, for example, I had to step out of the room for a few minutes because, um, you know, the, the body was was so gruesomely mutilated and was already. I don't know if I should say that. I, I'm going to say it. Eve, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Just the, the body was was riddled with worms already. And um and just bloody from everywhere. And it was, it got too gruesome. And then there are women who break down in the middle after we prepared the second bag of charcoal. Um, one of the women broke down, one of the women, and, and we hugged each other and we held hands and we even sang a little bit and we gave each other strength. Um, and yeah, we can, we can step out. We can break. We no. one woman said to me, it's not called breaking. It's not breaking. No, you're strong. You are, you are allowing your emotions to come through. And, uh, so 
every once in a while, one of us has to step out and allow for that. And there's always support from the other remarkable women. Um, I, I just, I'm having so much difficulty wrapping my mind around the fact that you can do this at all. I, I have no words for you, really. Um, it's Avodat Kodesh. It's, it's holy work on, on just on so many levels. I, I was hearing because there's still so many people who have yet to be identified because as you said, they're, you can't rec- they're not recognizable that the recommendations from the social workers to the families is to not, not as much as they want to see their loved ones to not do so just to remember them the way they were and not be, not see the way they died. They, we have, we have not had any parents welcomed, not, I mean, the parents have not come siblings, family members have they not know. come and they, and honestly, I, I think that they're, they should not at all. Um, some parents have asked for identifying pictures like, uh, like, um, a tattoo right. or, or nail polish just so they know, mm-hmm. just so they know they, they get a last glimpse, but the bodies are, are not, they don't look like human anymore. They're a color that I can't even identify. Um, there are no eyes left. And in so many cases, they've been so tortured and brutalized that there's, there's just about, there's no body shape almost mm-hmm. in, in a lot of them. So for the families to come see that would be the worst punishment they ever, ever could face. And I, I, frankly, I find it hard when, when you see these, the parts that, that don't become unrecognizable as a mm-hmm. human body, like the nail polish, you know, this, Hair. this one mm-hmm. safta. You know, this one Jewish, Jewish uh, grandmother. grandmother. And I knew she was Russian from her last name. And I'm I'm a Russian speaker. We lived in Moscow for a bunch of years. And and I, I identify with with the Jewish soft does. <laughs> and uh, and she had just gotten her nails done and they were gorgeous. These just beautiful, shiny red nails. And that was the only part of her that that looked good. And, and she got them done because she knew that she wanted to look beautiful for the, for, you know, for the next month with her beautiful nails. And that, that was a, a really, really, a really horrific moment. And, and also the, the little girls, the little girls are, are, you know, one of them was these little feet, the same, same size as my little daughter. Uh, that was, that was just brutal. You have anyone to talk to? What do you mean? Like, when I get home? <laughs> to, yeah, I don't. Yeah. And well, my husband actually has been doing it together with me. We've been shoulder to shoulder on this. And uh, we have a weird relationship right now. We used to back in the day, 15 minutes ago. Remember, mm-hmm. we used to go on a beautiful walk every morning. That's something we started doing during our COVID years when we were all locked up. So we we decided, you know, we got to get away from the kids. And uh, we go out to the mountainside and and take a beautiful walk. And now we just collapse into bed at the end of the day and embrace each other and and just thank God, thank God, period, and and share with each other what what we had seen, just the experiences, so that we can process it a tiny bit and then we pass out. That's mm-hmm. basically been our routine for the last week. I'm not sharing it with the children at all. I come home with a smile on my face and hug them and talk about regular things like, uh, do you have math homework? Right. You know, there's, um, I mean, just the contrast between 
the respect and the gentleness with which we treat dead bodies and how, you know what, I'm, I, I refuse to call them our cousins anymore because, A, there's no proof that they come from Ishmael and I don't want to have anything even remotely resembling some connection to these animals, not animals, these brutal whatevers. Um, but there, I, I heard a couple of days ago, some something really ironic. Jews are not, are supposed to be buried and never moved again, unless there is really extenuating circumstances. Um, one of the reasons that we're in the situation right now is because 18 years ago, there were the extenuating circumstances of needing to remove the Jews of the cemetery in Gush Katif, reinter the Jews that were there, understanding that their bodies would just be desecrated if we left the cemeteries behind. And so there's a mass grave on the Mount of Olives of uh, Jews. And the right before that happened, the last um, Yom Hazikaron, the last Memorial Day of Israel, um, where normally we go to the local cemetery to honor those who died so that the state could be born. I took my family to that cemetery in Gush Katif because I knew it was about to be destroyed and the people were going to be reinterred. The families had to briefly sit Shiva again. Um, but I heard this week that in 1948, um, Jews couldn't be buried in their hometown during the War of Independence because it was too dangerous. And so many of them were buried temporarily in Kibbutz Be'eri, outside of Gaza. Really? There was a mass grave. And then after 1948, when we got the state and things quieted down, then they were reinterred in their hometowns. And the other night, because kibbutz Berri, I think 120 people out of the kibbutz of less than a thousand people were slaughtered and they were trying to bury the people there and they couldn't because there was still mortar and rocket fire on the kibbutz and it was too dangerous to have the funeral there. So the people of Berri have been buried in temporary locations in other places in the country and then will one day be returned to Berri, which functioned 75 years ago as the opposite so oh it's God. uh right isn't that i did not know any of that yeah. wow yeah. Uh, we've been actually a lot of our work in the last few days has been with the families and right. and very many many families were wiped out completely or left one one child alive uh or the, the most yeah and uh so a lot of the lot of the people we we try as a as the burial society, as as all the women standing around these bodies, we we always try to know what their name is and uh, how old they were and where they came from, so that we attach as much humanity to them. And uh, so a lot from Barry, but we, uh, you know, this is something that I've just popped into my head. the The other day, we'd been working very hard for many hours. It's very physically taxing as well. And um, we had just finished wrapping up a body and, and fully preparing her for her burial. And I looked around at the other women in the room. We were kind of spacing out a little bit. And I noticed that every single one of us had both of our hands on this woman's body. We were just fully with her, you know, receiving her holiness and blessing her at the same time. There's no ritual of putting your hands we had mm -hmm. all of us from our own hearts just felt the need to do that at that moment. And it was in a, such an incredibly powerful moment of, of connection with this person who we've never met, we'll never meet, but uh, was there with us for that moment. 
uh, the guy I can tell I uh I have nothing else to say is there anything that anything else you want to share before you get a much needed night's sleep uh right um I the only thing I can say and the most powerful thing I could say is Am Yisrael Chai the nation of Israel lives is alive is eternal and um, my eyes have seen more evil this week than I will ever, ever see. And I pray that God avenges the lives of every single one of these beautiful, beautiful Jewish neshamot that died to sanctify God's name only because they were Jews. And I pray that we are able to completely obliterate this evil and that the world finally wakes up and understands that the only moral choice is is between good and evil, and there's nothing in the center. Yeah, and that all of our soldiers and everyone else who's going to physically have to do that, most of them being men, although not all, that they don't even break one fingernail doing yeah. what it needs to be May done. God protect they our all come home safely. Yours, yours and mine. We we have skin everyone, in the game here. Everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone. And I know that the people listening to this podcast feel the same. We feel your your prayers. We feel your love. We really do. Because if you're standing with us, you're standing with God. It's that yeah. simple. It's just that simple. Thank you. Thank and you. Um, Hashem just should continue to give you this unbelievable strength that you have. And like I said before, I'm glad for them that you're the one taking them on the final journey. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Okay. Amen. Okay, everybody. That's... I hope I never, ever, ever, ever have to tape another podcast like this. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. That's that. Goodbye for now.